welcome to this week's episode of Uncle Dad Talks. I'm Uncle Dad, and with me as always is the beloved Mike Hampton. Mike, how are you? Hello, hello. Mike, come on. <laughs> hello, hello. There uh, we go, there we go. Uh, Mike, that song that they just heard is from what amazing company? Oh, that's Soundstripe.com. That is great. Ooh, confidence now. Now you got it now. Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, that song's from Soundstripe.com, and the best part is you can save 15% or 10% off your first month subscription by using promo code UncleDadTalks10. Now, we, have, we talk about that one all the time, but now we have a new sponsor that we've been putting here and there. Mm. Uh, Raise Energy Drink by Rep Sports. Now, Mike, have you got to try your stuff yet? Yes, that's why I was not confused today when it came time to ask me a question about our first sponsor. I like it. You just drank some rays and you were like... I'm just, I'm, I'm zoned in. I yeah. like it. I like it. Did you try the sleep powder yet? I did not. Did you try the voodoo drink? I didn't. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, just rest assured, he did try it and he did like it and he is focused. I promise you. Yes. Quotation marks? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> That's what I thought. Um, yes, but the best part is just like Soundstripe, you can save some money, and the promo code is Uncle Dad. All under, all lowercase, underscore, uh, all lowercase, uh, Uncle Dad. You save fifteen percent off any purchase. Of course, some things will be excluded, things that are already on sale. But other than that, you save fifteen percent off energy drinks, uh, pre-workout, a sleep powder, which I can't tell you enough. It's one of the best sleeping products on the market. Absolutely incredible. Um, Bunch of great stuff. You can even save fifteen percent off T-shirts. I don't know if you knew that or not. Because you got a sweet T-shirt. I did. Did you wear it yet? I have not. Oh well, you should have said yes. Yeah. Now wear it next show. <laughs> next show. Next yeah. show. We'll take a picture. <laughs> we'll take. A, I like it. I like of it. Of me drinking a drink while I'm wearing the shirt. I like it. I yeah. like it. Good idea. Uh, and all you gotta do is go to repsports.com, and that's R-E-P-P sports.com. Mike, how are you doing today? Uh, you know what? You uh, you sound like you drank one of the rays today. You're. I'm 100 today. <laughs> you are 100. You know, it's um, definitely uh, for the unaired episodes, uh, definitely a big change of pace, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what, man? Today's a very special day because we're talking about something you and I both love very dearly. Mm. Uh, something we're going to just have a good time with. We're with good people. We're at a good place. It's going to be just truly exciting. Hopefully you agree with me on that. I think so. I'm excited already. <laughs> you should be. I can see you. Uh, you need to come down because you're so high up there. Okay. <laughs> but we are at um, Clandestine Brewing in San Jose, California, and we are speaking with a brewer today. Yes. And uh, we'll get to him in a second, uh, but I'm very excited because we'll announce some great stuff at the end. And we're just going to have a great conversation about probably Uncle Dad and Mike's favorite thing next to comic books, beer. Oh, yeah, that's right. Beer. Beer, beer, yes. beer, beer. Uh, so without further ado, we'll be right back with this ad break. And when we come back, we will have nothing but fun, nothing but good times, nothing but... Good taste. Good taste. That's right. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, everyone. Baby Gabe here with a quick pre-interview break. First off, we've rebranded. Uncle Dad Comics is now Uncle Dad Studios. We've gone through a lot of changes over our first year and have grown past just covering comic books. We decided to change the name because we cover various topics and industries on the podcast and we have big plans for the future. You can now find Uncle Dad on Instagram at Uncle Dad Studios, but can still find me at babygabe underscore UDT and Mike at Mike Hampton Art. Reach out to us if you think there's a certain topic you think we should cover on the show. We'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed the interview, consider giving us a review on whichever podcasting app you use that allows it. It supports the show and helps us get in front of more people. 
More announcements will be coming soon, but until then, I'll hand you back to Uncle Dad and Mike. Take care. All right, we are back now. We are back with the brewer himself from Clandestine Brewing, uh, a gold medal winner, which we'll get to in a second. Adrian Kalavashi. Welcome to the show, Adrian. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hello, Adrian. Uh, you love beer. We love beer. Yeah. And we are so excited to talk about beer with you. There's a lot of great things to talk about today. We're going to go through some tastings. You're going to kind of guide us through it all. But first, let's, let's talk about the big thing. You're a gold medal winner. Yeah. Explain that, please. Yeah, so so you know we're we're kind of uh, we're, we're a very small brewery, right? Uh, and it's uh, which it's, really quickly, where are you located for our audience? We're in San Jose, California. Uh, the address, sir. Uh, Nine eight zero South First Street in San Jose. Awesome, come check them out, please. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, actually, we're recording this in in our brewery, so everybody's on site here. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was actually going to say that because if you hear background noise going on, uh, we are actually yeah in the brewing department yeah, here. Various compressors running. Uh, yes. Yeah, but I like it. It kind of adds the to the experience. I feel. So, uh, but anyways, continue. So, so last year uh, at the uh, 2020 GABF that happens every year in Boulder, Colorado, the, the biggest uh, professional brewing event uh, in, in North America, uh, we won our very first gold medal there last year uh, for our Doppelbach uh, called Agent Provocateur. It's a, it's a great beer. It's a lager. Dark lager, uh, eight nine percent. Uh, so it's it's kind of it's something that you would drink in the in the winter time. Uh, this is something that we historically have only brewed a couple times a, a year, but now that we have this gold medal, we're we're trying to brew it more often. So you can get it on tap more often now. Yeah. Now Mike and I have tried that, and uh, actually before we get into that, can you explain what a um, a Doppelbach beer is? Yeah. So so like I said, it's 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 a dark lager, but it's strong. Doppel beating double, right? Uh, so it's a uh, it's it's using some some dark malts, uh, simple grains, not super hopped, but hopped uh, with uh, traditional noble hops. Uh, you get a lot of malt flavor in this in this beer, uh, and uh, and like I said, it's traditionally a little bit higher ABV. So ours clocks in between eight and nine percent. Oh, yeah. 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 What was crazy was uh, because it was so high. I remember you and I both thinking, Mike, that it was. Like hard to believe that it was such a high ABV. It didn't taste overly overwhelmingly strong in yeah. alcohol. Yeah. Well, so lagers do that too. You, yeah. With a lager, you get a nice smooth uh, feel, and you know, although it's dark, it's not going to be like a uh, a stout. Uh, you know, stouts typically stouts and porters they'll be roasty. Uh, this is this is going to be more of a smooth caramel like uh, uh, finish on it. Yeah, that's actually a great way to put it because there was like that kind of like caramely caramel like finish when you drink it. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to remind myself because uh, <laughs> we tasted a few. But we what, did taste a few. <laughs> what, what about what part of that is seasonal? Is it the type of hops? Is that there for certain type of seasons? That's a good question because yeah. so so lagers are more difficult to to make, and and we actually are pretty proud of the fact that we we we're trying to do a lot of lagers and and hybrid beers too, and I can I can define that too. But but you do it seasonal. Historically, you would you would make a beer like this, and uh, in in Germany, for example, it gets cold in the winter. So this is a beer you'd make in the winter, and lagers ferment at a lower temperature. That's why it's more expensive for smaller breweries to do this because they have to invest in ways to uh, to, to ferment the beer at a lower temperature. Right? right. Uh, we're talking about uh, in the the mid 50s down to 48 degrees or so Fahrenheit uh, that, that you're fermenting, uh, and it also takes a long time because you're fermenting at such a low temperature the uh the metabolic rate of the of the yeast which is what's producing the ethanol right it's it's slower so while a normal beer might take uh two weeks to make uh, a lager might ferment over a month and then there's a lagering right so historically what they would do is they'd 
make these beers, put them in a barrel, put them in their cellar, and they would sell her for a year, right? Mm. And so these things that makes the, the lager very very special, right? And that's uh, and you know for us uh, we can only do so many of them. Uh, we can we can produce way more ales than than lagers, and so that, you know just by virtue of that, uh, they kind of makes them seasonal. Got it. Fascinating. When you guys had when you guys said to make this beer, did you guys go? We're gonna make this into a, a, a winning beer or it was just like we want to make a good beer like well, it wasn't that's, that's a good question too you know we <laughs> we we brew a lot of styles here kind of uh what our niche here is we we have uh 16 taps as you saw out there right and so we're trying to brew the entire spectrum of beer and beer i think people now in america are realizing how varied uh beer is right yeah. and so there's, there's a huge variety here at Clendeson, we, we're trying to brew uh, traditional styles. This is a very traditional style, by the way, Doppelbach, right? right. It's a German purity law, maybe you've heard of, right? It's a, it, it, it uh, is, the, the German purity law uh, is, is, you can only, there, there was a time when, uh, you know, people were making things that they called beer that were, that were made with anything, right? Right. Uh, and at some point, uh, you know, people were either getting sick or, or the, the taste was off and they wanted right. to, to correct for that. And so in Germany, they made a law. And in that law, they said, you know, when you make something that's called a beer, you can only use water and barley and hops. And they didn't know about yeast back then, but, but you know, yeast is part of that too, right? right. And so so uh, that, that kind of narrows your spectrum of what can be called a beer. These days, though, you, you know, people are using all, all kinds of all things kinds uh, of to things, make yeah. a beer. And, and we, we really love the, the you know, um, extreme part of making beer. At the same time, we also uh, like brewing traditional beers too. So you'll find German beers here, uh, lagers. We we do a lot of Belgian beers, uh, and uh, you know we, we and so so we we embrace the tradition, but also we're we're doing a lot of uh, you know new radical stuff like this uh, this craft beer we were talking about before uh, recording. Yes, the craft beer. I definitely want to talk about Mike. I know Mike wants to talk about it. Mike, please tell us your thoughts on that beer before we get into that. The craft beer. Yes, which was called. Dark Tower? Dark Tower, yeah. Yes. Dark Tower. It graft, grabbed me. I don't know. But I was straight, going <laughs> he tried, for a he stretch tried, there. He tried, but uh, you uh, know what? I, Hold on. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, that beer, I didn't know what about it it was, it, the taste. So I'll, I'll share something about me, is I have no sense of smell. Wow. So Very when, true. And I've never had one. So a lot of times when I'm tasting something, I don't taste the hints or the, I don't get the fragrance before I, you know, drink it or eat it or whatever it is. So a lot of times I don't really know why it tastes good. It just tastes good. And then um, Uncle Dad here told me that there was that it was an apple bock. It's it's, a, it's kind of a hybrid. It's a yeah. it's a, I would call it a beer apple a beer cider hybrid. That's a, that's interesting. That not having a sense of smell would right. I I imagine that makes your experience of beer very different because you know, like when I take an IPA. And I'm uh, the, the first thing that hits me is a smell, right? And so, I, you know, I think we're all used to taking a glass and smelling it before tasting. That's 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 amazing. I don't think I've met anybody that doesn't have a sense of smell. It's yeah, I mean, you feel you hear about it more, you know, with co people with COVID. Well, yeah. But, yeah. but but I never have had one, so I, I kind of don't know what I'm missing. But at the same time, either it's a good beer or it's a bad beer, <laughs> kind of kind of thing for me. It's a uh, it's funny it's funny because the first time he told me that was actually at a beer festival. And I was talking about beer with him. I don't know if you remember this or not, but we were at a beer festival together. And I was like, oh, yeah, man, the smell of it. He's like, oh, yeah. And I think he thought that I knew that about him, but I didn't know that. And I was like, oh, wow, you don't have a sense of smell. That's so crazy. Like, And then, like, to your point, it's like that must really change the beer yeah. drinking experience. It's no longer like, 
hey, you know, I, this, you have this note of this, this note of that when you smell it, but the nose isn't there, right? So it's just, yeah, so uh, that sucks to be you. <laughs> I'll get back to this graph, but, uh, but you know, how I experience, the, my favorite thing about, about beer is, I, I would say that, that yeast is my, is my number one favorite thing. And, and yeast is very interesting because it, it uh, can impart aromas, right? Uh, and there are these flavor molecules. I, I call them flavor because flavor is really about taste and, and aroma, right? Uh, and, and it's very fascinating to me that, that you know, s- some of these beers, that, that thing that, you're, that you are smelling and tasting, it really completely comes from the yeast, right? So imagine a, a, a Hefeweizen, and you probably all, that's a very common beer, right? Those notes of banana and clove and sometimes spiciness, that's coming 100% from the yeast. It's not an ingredient that you add into the beer. It's just, it's just the yeast producing that. And so for me, you know, smelling the beer is, is very important. Also hops. Uh, my, my number two favorite thing is yeah. hops, right? And hops, you can experience by tasting it. But, you know, when you're tasting them, you sometimes get a bitterness. Uh, when you're smelling it, it's like completely different. Uh, and that, that must be crazy. The graph, the graph is completely a different animal, right? So, so the graph has an interesting style because it's a it's a style that Stephen King, the uh, the you know author, invented, yeah. and that's why it's called Dark Tower. Uh, in his Dark Tower series, he describes this this drink that everybody's drinking. That that you know he's he says it's made with with malt, but it includes apple juice. It's dark in color and deceptively high in alcohol, right? Hmm, and so uh, I. I haven't read the Dark Series, Dark Tower series, but I have a friend that's a huge uh, um, Stephen King fan. Gotcha. And she told me about this uh, this 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 thing, and I have a friend that uh, that owns a uh, an apple orchard in uh, in Watsonville, uh, and I've been wanting to do a collaboration with him for a long time. The thing is, as a brewery in the state of California, you cannot brew a cider, uh, and it's a it's just a, a law that exists when mm. you get your license. Weird, huh? You have to make uh, so we have a license, a Type Twenty Three, that allows us to make beer. But what uh, the definition? You know, we talked about the German purity law, but the definition of beer in the state of California is that it has to be fifty-one percent made of malt. And so we formulate this graph with fifty-one percent of of the beer is made from from malt, which is what you normally make beer with, right? Mm. And the rest of it is apple juice from his his orchard. Really, and so it's a very fun beer to make because uh, what, what what happens is either either there or he'll bring apples here and we'll press them. Every year the apples are a little bit different because he has different uh, varieties. It's it's mostly like seventy five percent of the apples are Pippin apples, uh, but then other apples are sort of uh, thrown in there depending on what what he's grown that year. Uh, he brings uh, two of these giant uh, crates of apples and then we we press them we get about 100 gallons of uh, of apple juice and then uh then i make a a kind of a weird beer to blend with it and then we ferment them together mm. fascinating and, and and the end result is something that i think uh not a lot of you know, like i said it's a it's not an official style it's something made up uh but it is a very interesting it's dark in color it tastes almost like a beer, but you definitely get that uh, the apple juice, you, you know, do. sweetness in you there do. too. Uh, we're we're making it uh, around seven percent or so, something like that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 apples. It's not like apple flavor, you know. Yeah. Like you get some yep. things, and it's all just a chemically made flavor. This definitely tasted. Once I knew it was apples, I was like, oh yeah, that's totally apples. Yeah, we all apple when juice. we when we press the apples, we all we all take some some apple juice home because it's the it's. The best apple juice, oh, uh, you know, sure. fresh pressed apple juice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we probably should. Uh, we never have. Uh, we, 
because you know because it's a collaboration and it's it's small uh, what happens is we give half of it to him sure, sure. Uh, and we don't actually have a whole lot of it uh, right. this year you guys got to try it because uh my friend ended up having a, a baby and couldn't uh couldn't take his half and so we had it waiting for him and when he said yeah go ahead and sell it so we had it much longer than we normally do normally this gotcha. beer we have we have on tap starting in september and it, it's gone by December. That but, makes more sense. But now it's uh, we had it a little bit longer this time. So it's actually gone, gone. There's, there's, it's gone, gone. There's no more. There's not a hidden can. <laughs> no, can, no, no. We'll, oh, we'll, you'll have to wait till September. So when September comes around, we'll come back and we'll buy a, we'll buy a whole mini yeah, keg for him. It, it's truly a harvest time uh, beer because we need the apples, right? So right. It's, uh, I yeah. mean, and that makes you appreciate it all that much more when you yeah. have it, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, you know we always tie the show with to art or some sort, right? When you think about art, we always think about you know visual art, but honestly. Beer Beer itself is very much an art, you know, like what you're describing about the graph, that is an art that I think a lot of people don't even understand. Like, I mean, that's something, I mean, a lot of things you just said to me, I never even knew about beer and it's like, wow, that's fascinating. And it really like to your point too, Mike, it really makes you appreciate what you're drinking because it's like, it's not, it isn't just a, a liquid that has XXX. It's also, how do you make it creative? How do you make it special? How do you make it taste unique? And I think very much with with the graph that is like the the quintessential artistic beer almost and, and that i would say well mm-hmm. and, and like i said we, we we love to explore these these kind of exotic uh beers of course they're not for everybody right sure, so sure. we're going to always have traditional beers in fact if, if we get done with our samples here we have a, a kolsch that we just put on tap too that's one of our number one sellers it's a i i call it the craft beer lawnmower beer right uh, mm-hmm. it's a it's a kolsch is one of these hybrid beers uh, and it, what I mean when I say hybrid is that it's uh, it's a ale, but it's been lagered at a lower temperature. And so, uh, you know, if if you've ever been to uh, to Germany, there's uh, this uh, um, there's this place called Köln or Cologne, right? Uh, in that city, they only serve Kolsch. That's really? that's where the Kolsch was born, and and they they serve it in these these uh, kind of th- narrow, tall glasses. Yeah. It's a very refreshing, low ABV, uh, crystal clear beer. But it's actually an ale yeast that we're using, uh, and and it's fermented because it's in northern Germany. It's fermented at a lower temperature. Just sixty miles away or so, there's this town called Dusseldorf, which you may have heard of too. In that town, they have this beer called Alt Beer. Uh, which is a completely different beer. Uh, it's you know like a, a caramel color, uh, but it's also a hybrid beer in that it's an ale uh, that that's been uh, fermented at a lower temperature, and so that that tradition carries on in those cities. And they're very they're very passionate about those beers. Like you you cannot order an alt beer in Col- in Köln, sure. and you cannot order a Kolsch in, in Dusseldorf. It's a uh, but uh, so so if we finish these, we have a, a Kolsch on tap that I'd, I'd like to show you too. It's mm. a it's it's a yeah, great example of the style. Awesome. And speaking of beers and art and everything beautiful, we are, you are going to take us yeah, through so, beers. So our, our beer tender set us up here with some, some flights. Uh, and I have, I have an, an order here. Uh, I think, you know, we'll start with the non-beer first. Uh, interestingly, so I told you that in the state of California, you know, with our license, we can only brew beer. This is a hard seltzer, and a hard seltzer is considered a beer. And the reason why it's considered mm. a beer is because we're making it with dextrose, which is corn sugar. So corn is a product, uh, an ingredient that you use in beer, uh, which means that all breweries can brew these things called hard seltzer. And they're kind of all the rage right now. Yeah, uh, people like them because they're 
you know, something that their non-beer drinking friends can drink, or if, if people have gluten allergies, they're, uh, yeah. I don't want to say gluten-free because they're going through, you know, our, our process here, but they're, they, they're not made with gluten, so it's, uh, you know, it's uh, relatively gluten-free, crystal clear. The one we have here is, is a, uh, a cherry seltzer, and so we make this beer with just basically corn sugar water uh, fermented and then we're adding some cherries uh, uh, later. Uh, we we had some fun with some seltzers not too long ago. We have a whole tea series so we made an Earl Grey and Oolong uh, and we, had, we did a chamomile tea uh, and it's kind mm. of kind of a, and and we did a matcha one that didn't in my opinion turn out that great but uh, but uh, but yeah this, this one's the, the cherry. So before we drink that I want to quickly say I love the tea series. Yeah. I just had the chamomile one they just made. Oh my god that was so good. The Oolong tea I absolutely loved good and the match the matcha one i want to try that now so when it comes back if it ever comes back <laughs> i'm here all, all right, right i get it uh but yes uh this is so what would you what's the name of the beer we, we're not naming these one the, our seltzers because they're non-beers right so it's called cherry seltzer <laughs> cherry seltzer cherry seltzer cheers cheers, cheers. cheers. We're get the clink in there awesome so yeah when when you when you're drinking this it's mm. it's basically just natural cherry juice that we're adding okay you, wow you probably can't taste that all in all seriousness i don't mean that like even as a joke Okay, so <laughs> there's natural cherry juice, and yeah. and you said corn sugar. Yep, that, that's not the same thing as high fructose corn syrup. No, it's 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 dextro- dextrose that we're using. Okay. Actually, uh, cor- corn syrup I think is fructose. Uh, yeah, fructose. Right. Yeah, yeah. But okay. actually, I'm I'm not. Don't quote me on that because I, I don't <laughs> know. But but we're using uh, corn sugar, which is dextrose. We, it's a it, for us. It comes in in you know these fifty pound sacks powder. Okay. But uh, but the beer itself ferments. Uh, we're, this particular beer, we actually used uh, a a yeast that's called Kvike. That's been it's it's pretty popular right now. Uh, it ferments at a high temperature, and uh, most people are getting their seltzers very dry, meaning that there's high attenuation, uh, right? So so the uh, most of the sugar has been eaten by the yeast. You shouldn't you shouldn't be tasting a lot of sugar. Right. Uh, if you're tasting some sweetness, it's probably because of the the cherry juice. So I think it's good. <laughs> I like it a lot. Um, I can taste the, you're saying like you shouldn't really taste sweetness and you're right. Cause I don't really get, and, I, and I, when I say this, I don't mean this in a negative context. It does taste like watered down cherry juice. Yeah. But I don't mean that negatively. No, yeah, no, we're we're going for uh, we're going for the hint. You know, have you had those hints? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, totally. It's like a hint yeah. water. Have you yeah. had that before? Well, I think I know what it means, but no, I haven't. <laughs> hint water is great, by the way. But it, it does. It has a hint of the cherry. Yes. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of these hard seltzers, but I can tell you that they're perfect for day drinking because, uh, you know, we're, yeah. we're keeping these things at 5%. Yeah. And so it's something that it's almost refreshing to drink, you know. Oh, uh, totally. And today is kind of warm, so yeah. it kind of hits the spot. So It's working. I think it's beautiful. It's also very pretty to look at. Like, it's a very yeah. pretty looking. Well, yeah, there's, so, so, so there's nothing in it that would make it hazy. It's completely uh, clear. Uh, you know, this, this beer uh, has a little bit of a pink hue because of the cherries added. Mm-hmm. I, I like it. So the cherries, are they from like a local-ish No, I cherry? wish. I wish. Yeah. Uh, we, we do have, and I don't know if we have it on tap, but we, we do have um, a Kettle Sour series that we do. Uh, and, and I can talk a little about how that's made, but those were getting berries from Gizich Ranch, which is uh, also in Watsonville. Do you, do you know mm. them? No. It's a, it's, a, it's a South Bay kind of a... Uh, everybody who grew up in the South Bay, I think, knows about this place because they, mm. they go there for field trips and whatever, but they, they're a huge uh, berry producer, and they, you know, they make berries for pies and whatnot. We get the cold berries. So the, the, the berries that they can't sell in the stores, mm-hmm. we get those uh, locally from them. And so we have a series of beers that we make with... Three different kinds of berries: uh, raspberries, blackberries, and uh, uh, olala berries. 
Do you know a lola, a lola berries? No. Kind of like a raspberry, but there, it's a it's been it's it's a patented thing uh, now called a lola berries. It's a it's popular on the West Coast, mm. but usually we make just a beer with one berry. And just recently we made a beer um, with with all three berries. And so it's like a yeah. Triple X berry beer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Say that word again. Alala berries. Alala berry. It sounds like a drug. It's a trademarked term, and it's it's kind of like a raspberry. It's red in color, uh, but tastes a little bit different. That's a. Sounds like something from Wonka. I was just gonna yeah. say. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, it kind of does. Yeah. Uh, I I kind of think it was invented in uh, or invented or whatever you do with with the these things uh in <laughs> oregon uh but i but i'd have to look it up i, I don't know for sure interesting but they, they grow it here in uh at gizich ranch uh in the south bay now yeah. those sours they are not available right now i i can uh i can pull, if we don't have it in tap uh, i know we have it in our bright tank so i'll, I'll give you guys a sample of i it, would uh, love a sample because i'm a huge sour guy that's my favorite I, I think type we, of beer. We, we don't have it on tap quite yet gotcha uh, yeah but, uh, the sour so, beers are great so here here at clandestin we we we're doing right now we're doing what's called a kettle sour uh, and so, so sour beers, uh, uh, they have lactic acid in. That's what you're tasting the the, the tartness. Mm -hmm. And uh, w when you're making that, you're using actually a bacteria to to create that lactic acid. Uh, and that bacteria can be a, a source of contamination for your brewery. Right. And so, right now, we're making what what's called a kettle sour, which means that you brew your beer in the kettle, and then you you add your souring agent. Uh, you know, we're using lactobacillus uh, from various sources. Uh, and then after you get the sourness that you want, you, you do a quick boil and that kills all the, all the bacteria. And that way you're not spreading it around to the, the rest of the brewery. Mm. That said, we are about to embark on our very first traditional sour program. We have some barrels. Uh, th this year of COVID has been, I think, hard for a lot of small businesses. Right. Uh, and, and we've used that time to, to start pursuing some, some things we've been wanting to do. So we, we've got now uh, a whole bunch of, uh, of whiskey and rum barrels. Uh, that we're doing, you know, stouts. That we we have a a chocolate uh, barley wine in one right now. Uh, we have a Belgian quad in one. Uh, but then we also got some some wine berries from uh, wine barrels from a uh, uh, a winery here in town called Coterie Cellars. Uh, and uh, we're doing. We just did our very first all Britannomyces beer. Britannomyces is kind of a wild yeast, also known for contaminating breweries. And the other one we're doing a mixed fermentation traditional sour. A traditional sour. You know, if you've had like a like a lambic or something like that, yeah. these beers take uh, years to make, yeah. right? And so, uh, the kettle sour for us is a is a way to get these sour beers that people really do love. Uh, it has that nice tartness from the lactic acid. Uh, we typically add fruit to ours, so we we uh, we do this this berry series. We also want one of the beers that people really love uh, here. We do this beer called Mango Lassi. It's a. Have you had a Mango Lassi? It's an Indian oh, yeah. drink. Absolutely. I, uh, I haven't had that actually. Yeah, very good. It, yeah, mm. it's 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 a super great drink. Uh, kind of tart, uh, but it has mango, so it's a little bit sweet. Uh, and we make a beer that's inspired by that. That beer we're using uh, milk sugar, lactose, in in the beer, uh, and to give it a little bit of a interesting mouth flavor, a little bit of residual sweetness. Uh, where it's a sour beer, uh, and then we're mm. adding. Mango. Uh, so for for this, we're actually uh, purchasing mango puree uh, from from a from a company. It's a aseptic uh, 
uh, mango puree that we add to this. And then sometimes we'll top it with a little bit of cardamom, which is what traditionally a mango lassi would, would have. That, uh, that beer actually uh, was brewed this week, and so it'll be uh, on tap in a couple weeks. Oh, wow. Well, I'll be, I'll be back. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Awesome. Let's go ahead and continue the journey of the beers. Yeah, so number two, we're going to go clockwise on our, our players. Number two is this, this beer we call Kviking. Now, Kvike is a, is, a, is, a, is a yeast that, uh, that's been historically used in Scandinavia uh, and is now kind of gaining notoriety around the world. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it was really popular a few years ago in the home brewing committee, and now a lot of professional breweries have, have picked it up. You can, you know, it, it, originally it was very hard to get a sample of this because it was uh, these little farms in uh, in Norway and Finland. They they were using these these cultures that were being passed down from you know from generation to generation to generation, and they would brew their beer. Uh, and you know it, it was just kind of uh, nobody really knew about it except for those people. And and uh, it's it's gotten kind of, the word's kind of gotten out there. And it's sort of an amazing you know it's a, it's amazing yeast. This beer we ferment at a very high temperature. Uh, and so it's uh, it's fermented at uh, upwards of 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeast normally ferments around 68 degrees, right? Wow. Wow. And so this is like amazing, right? Yeah. And and uh, and normally it would take uh, maybe two weeks for a beer to finish fermenting. This will finish in two days. Wow. Uh, and so it, it, you know, and there's a, there's a lot of different strains of this Kvike, uh, but uh, different strains are known for for different types of things. Uh, but you you get a lot of fruit notes. Out of it too, and so this is a, a an IPA. Uh, you know, it's a, it's unfiltered. Uh, I, I'm not remembering what the hops are in it, but cheers. I, I think one of the, one of the tastes that you'll get out of this is uh, is from the yeast. And when you say unfiltered, what are you? What would be being filtered out of this? Well, I'm, I'm saying it's unfiltered because because uh, a couple beers down the line here, we have a hazy beer, mm. uh, and so this is this is not quite a hazy, but it's not a West Coast. People expect the West Coast, I, this, this, this beer here, mm. West Coast IPA. See how it's uh, super brilliantly clear? Yeah. Uh, this Kviking is, uh, is, is, you know, you could see it's not, not clear. It's a right? little cloudy-ish. Right. Cloudy-like. Uh, okay. Now, would you consider this a Finnish, Finnish type beer or no? It would be Norwegian or Scandinavian, I would say in general. Okay. But yeah. nothing, but technically not Finland. It, it, well, we, we actually uh, we do make a Finnish beer here called a sati. Do you know that style? No, tell me about that style. So, so that that's also a very uh, it, so historical. It's a it's a historic style, but it's kind of wild. It's uh, it's made with juniper berries. Historically, what they would do when, when you make a beer, you take your your grain, and I, I could bring out some samples of, of, of what grain looks like. So we're, we're you know we're getting grain, barley, and you know mostly right. Yeah. So so the the primary ingredient, the thing that the yeast is is fermenting is is mostly uh, sugars that are coming from these grains, right? Uh, and so what what happens is you know you have grains uh, growing, and in the natural process uh, of of a grain growing. Uh, you know, it would produce this this seed, right? The seed would fall to the earth, and uh, it would it, there would be a germination process, right? Uh, and inside the seed is a bunch of starch that uh, that is is shelf stable, actually, right? So because uh, you know it's uh, it can it can last for a very long time. Seeds, you know, are being banked, uh, you know, for for the end of the world, uh, right, and they yeah. can they can last for hundreds of years, right? So you have this this starch. When conditions are right, that starch converts into sugar and, and the way that it does that is there are, there are enzymes in that little seed uh, that 
at the right temperature and the right moisture level will, uh, will turn into, uh, into sugar. So in the brewing world, we take advantage of that. There's, there's something called a malt house. And what they're doing there is they're starting this germination process. And, you know, they, you know historically what would happen is people would take some grain and put it on their, in their attic rafters and spread it out, add some moisture, and it would get hot up there. They would start this germination process. And then what you do is you, you put it into a kiln to, to, to dry it all out, right? right? You dry it all out, and then it becomes shelf-stable again. So you've started this process, dry it out. And then, you know, from, from there... Uh, Different grains go through, you know, different levels of, of roasting. So if you have a dark beer, for example, it's been roasted, kind of like coffee, right? Uh, but here, what happens then is we, we get these, we get these uh, uh, grain that's still in the husk. We have a mill right back over there. And so we'll, we'll put it through the mill. The mill cracks that husk. And you're exposing this starch and these enzymes that are just waiting to be activated, right? And then we go through this process called mashing. And, and mashing, what we're doing is we're adding water back into these grains at a certain temperature right and you know the, the depending on what you're trying to make you can you can vary the temperature if you're in general if you go for a lower temperature you're going to get uh, you're going to produce sugars that that can make them for a drier beer so more attenuative uh, if you're going for a, a sweeter beer you might raise the temperature a little bit but we, we end up with this thing called wort and that and that's mm. kind of the mm -hmm. uh, the the basis uh, for beer right so now back to the, the uh, what we were talking about with this. Really with quickly, these. can I just say, I really appreciate that explanation because I think there's a lot of you who drink beer, again, that don't understand the complexity of it. And I think that was just incredibly inform informative. I don't know how you feel, Mike. Well, yeah, the fact that there's, there's something that st starts to happen in the seed and then it basically gets stopped and then it kind of gets reactivated. In a, in a whole nother process, it's, it is fascinating. Yeah, so I just wanted to thank you for that. No, so no, 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 I mean, continue. <laughs> you can really see how early humans kind of uh, figured this, this whole thing out, right? Because it's, mm -hmm. it's really tied to nature. Right, mm -hmm. so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. But in, in Finland, and, and you know, if, if people are hearing this and I get things wrong, I'm sorry, but, but there's this beer called sati, and I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right too. But, but historically what they would do, uh, what, what we do here when we, when we do our mash is we have, we rely on the husks that are still, you know, in this mash to kind of filter out the, uh, the, the, the wart, right? So we're running, we're recirculating water through this. Uh, we're kind of rinsing out all the sugars and we, we leave behind this mass of, of husks, but you know, we need to kind of filter that, right? So it, it kind of creates its own filter bed. Well, to create a sati, historically, what they would do is they'd use June for bows, Right to these big branches, and they would filter their mash through these bows, and, and that would add a juniper. And I love the juniper flavor. That's a, you know, gin's one of my favorite uh, mm -hmm. uh, alcoholic drinks. Uh, but they, you know, that would flavor this beer with kind of a a, a juniper uh, uh, flavor. And then you know, there's a they they, they use a farmhouse style yeast to, to ferment this. Uh, you can use definitely a kvike kind of kind of yeast to uh, to do this too. We do ours with a kvike uh, yeast. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, it, uh, I think I think probably uh, smaller home brewers might in in uh, in Finland might use like a, a bread yeast or a baking yeast uh, to do this. But uh, but yeah, it's it's, it, it's a style that I really love. Uh, also, uh, um, it's it's made historically with a lot of uh, rye malt uh, as well too. So I, I I really love the style. I'm I'm a big juniper fan, so it's a uh, yeah fits right with me. That's that's awesome. I didn't I didn't really again like it's so crazy when you think about beer. There's just so many options of a beer you know you have from the sour from the ipa to like to the to the sati it's just it's fascinating i, I don't know i'm just i'm just, i'm just so juiced about learning all this right now
Well, it's, it's fascinating because, you know, the average person who doesn't <clears throat> brew or work for a brewery or brew their own beer, even at home, you just go into a store and it's all, all your, you know, you see the labels and, and it, that kind of gives you a sense of what it might be like. But, but the process is, yeah, it is. It's totally fascinating. It, and I love the fact that it is really tied to nature. And, and it seems like what you all do here is really kind of keep that, you really, you really go with that. Yeah, here. you know, it's a, the, the, there's, there's pros and cons about being a small brewery. Right. Uh, the bigger you get, you know, if you're, if you're a, a Coors, for example, you're, you're, it's going to be, there's a lot of process involved there, but it's mostly the person brewing is going to be pushing buttons, right? Yeah, right. right. Uh, and uh, here, you're kind of really tied to the whole process. We, we, we have to connect hoses. We have to turn on fire. You know, it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's, it's a very manual process here. And so we, we are really tied to every step of the way. Yeah. I, mean, I think that makes sense though. And, and I also think that might even create more appreciation when you're oh, making yeah. your product, Absolutely. right? Because Absolutely. it's like, like being a, like Mike, you know, being an artist, it's like, you know, you creating that work rather than being this corporation, right? Working for, you know, a corporation doing it. It's like, you're doing it yourself, you know? And I just like how we can always tie it together to all that, right? Like, you know, whatever you're doing some ways, it is some form of art. And again, what you're doing is an art. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I just think it's fascinating. Let's move clockwise to, to this beer. Uh, this is an interesting beer in that it's it's made with uh, oat malt. So if you've if you've had like a, if you like oatmeal, uh, you know, like steel cut oats, uh, mm. we use uh, lots of different types of oats in this. Malted oats, uh, we have bare naked oats, uh, lots of different kinds of oats in this beer. And then it's uh, aggressively hopped. So it's, it's, a, it's a, we're calling it a session IPA. Now, am I the only one not drinking them all? Because now I feel like I should stop. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are like just tasting it. Pace yourself. This is a tasting. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. But- I don't want to like waste beer. <laughs> don't feel compelled to uh, to to drink it all. But th- th- this this beer is made with 100% uh, mm. citra hops. It's a citra is a, 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 a hops are an interesting world too in that a, a lot of hops have become pat- patented like other, you know, uh, agriculture things. Uh, and so citra is one of these hops that uh that you can't gr- you can't grow. You have to you have to own the patent to, to grow, but it's a, uh, it's become uh, very popular. It's a, it's a, a an American uh, IPA kind of hop. It gives you a nice citrus flavor. Uh, but this beer was made with a lot of oat malt, which you can, you know, I, I can, I can barely get the oat flavor out of it. Uh, and then it's uh, also a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of hops. I'm curious though, when you, when you drink, cause to me, you know, I get the aroma, the citra hops in this beer. What, what do you experience with this beer? So when you were saying oat, I was thinking, you know, oatmeal, oat milk, just yeah, like I was yeah. going to drink an oatmeal drink. But uh, it does have a little bit of like a citrus kind of zing, okay. I guess yeah. is the best way to describe it. A little tart-ish. See, for yeah. me, so, so oat for me does impart a little bit of a... A little bit of a tartness, and it's kind of a weird thing to explain. But if we didn't have any hops at all in here, I, I, you, I would be able to more clearly pick out the hop note. But I mean, the, sorry, the oat note. But uh, but now it's all about the hops uh, because the hops. For me, all I could taste in here is a citra. It's interesting because I, I taste a lot of the oat flavor. Personally. You do. Okay, I do you personally. Do. I do. It tastes like. Not, I wouldn't say oatmeal or like even steel cut oats, but I just taste what I would. <laughs> this is gonna sound weird, but I taste the smell of dry oats. Yeah, actually, that is a taste that you get in in oat beers, and uh, and uh, yeah, we, we we make another another um, oat beer that's less less hopped than this one, and and in that one, I uh, I get a lot of that flavor. But uh, for me, I, I guess the hops kind of mask this one. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's that's kind of what I get. I don't know. I get yeah, I I get hops and a little citrus zap. Zap. Yeah. 
<laughs> I love all beer, but you know, it's it's hard to to drink a lot of these high ABV beers. Uh Especially now it's getting warmer, right? I, yeah. I'm in the winter time. I like the high ABV beers, but uh, now I, I kind of want something more sessionable. And so the, the session IPA, which is kind of a relatively new style, right? It's not it's not a pale ale. It's a, it's just lower ABV IPA kind of thing. I I love that, and that's what we're drinking here. It's is, low ABV. Is that what the term session IPA means? Is yeah, it's a it's it's a Brit it's a British term. Uh, it means that you can drink a lot of beers in a single session. Uh, you know, like I'm a, I never really understood. So near, thank near you. Near I was like, what is a session IPA? But that makes sense. Okay, so so yeah. in 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 British they have in Britain they have a lot of these session beers, right? right. Uh, because if, if you go to, if you go to London. You're going to get a lot of these pale ales, and they're going to be all low ABV, like ridiculously low ABV. Right. right? And it's because they, they like to go to the pub, and they'll sit there, and they'll knock you know, a number of them back, right? And, and it's low ABV, so you can. It's a, right. See, I think I'll America, there. Historically, America, I think, has been more extreme. You know? Oh, so, no yeah, kidding. <laughs> you know, it's funny because cause you can, when you work behind a bar here, you can, you can, someone will come in, and you'll know, okay, yeah, this guy is going to look for. He's going to do the the calculus on the menu and look for the the cheapest beer that is the highest ABV. You know, he's he's he wants to go for dollars dollars per alcohol kind of a thing. Right? <laughs> you can tell what yeah. that guy looks <laughs> oh, like yeah. as soon as yeah. he walks in. Yeah, exactly. But but then there's you know there's there's other person people that come in. They're like, oh, this is a beer geek guy. He's gonna you know he's gonna want the most unique beer. Or you, you someone comes in and you know he he's a purist. He he wants his German Pilsner or, or his Doppelbach, right? And, Right. Or you're just like me and Mike. You're just like, I'll take it. I want it. some beer. Yeah. yeah. Give, give me, give me, a, give me, give a me something choice. good. That's yeah. it. You know, just whatever you think and we'll drink it. Um, what I find interesting about beer too is, um, now I don't know if you know this or not. And if I'm incorrect in this story, please correct me. But I've always been told that back, you know, way back, like centuries ago, uh, the Egyptians would pay the slaves with beer. Have you ever heard that before? I, I, I've not heard that, but I, I can believe it. Uh, beer is, uh, you know, a product that's that's ten thousand years old, right? right. And so, uh, I, so I, I do know that that uh, that sailors uh, have been paid in in beer. You know, that's where right. the term grog comes from, right? right. Uh, uh, I haven't heard about that with uh, with Egyptians. Yeah, it I'm, wouldn't surprise me that Egyptians drink beer, I guess, uh, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just remember I remember hearing about that once, like, and I'm like, I don't know how I even heard it. It's just like one of those things you just kind of hear, uh, like, like when you know the History Channel is on or something. And I remember thinking, like, oh, that's fascinating, like because they they saw it as a way to like it was like literally liquid gold, right? Yeah. It was like that's yeah. how you got treated because hey, you built a pyramid. Here's this, right? And I just thought that was just fascinating. And I hopefully this isn't an insult, but the session the session FEA makes me think that's what they drank. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is that is that weird? I don't think it's weird. No, it was a long session. That doesn't mean to build the pyramid. That's a big that's a, session. That's a big I, session, I, right? I, I definitely wouldn't mind getting paid in beer. It's, yeah, uh, to, yeah. to build a pyramid, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure whips were involved too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right. But hey, you got a beer after that, so <laughs> that made it a little better. Didn't sting as much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I guess I gotta slow down because you guys are just sipping it. I'm over well. here just killing them. <laughs> Which we this, this next one is a is a is a freshie. We just put it on tap. It's a. It's our Galaxy Seven Six Three. Yes. Uh, and so th this is a this is a hazy IPA. Uh, do you know Do you know anything about these hazy IPA or sometimes called New England IPAs? I've actually never heard it called that New England IPA. Yeah. So it, you know they're kind of all the all the rage. Uh, it's a. Uh, <laughs> A, a number of years ago, there, there's this there's this brewery called the Alchemist uh, in uh, in the, on the East Coast. They make this beer called Hetty Topper, and they 
kind of invented this style, and that's why it's called New England IPA, or oh. you know, a lot of times people call it hazy IPA now. Interestingly, what what they would do is they would uh, double dry hop their beer, and that and that's not entirely uncommon. People do that, right? You dry, dry hopping, by the way, is is you know, you you add hops when you're boiling the the wort. Uh, but then as you're fermenting in the fermenter, you also sometimes add dry, what's called dry hopping, right? So you, you add hops directly to the fermenter, right? And, you know, a lot of times when you're making a beer, you do that, like an IPA, you would do that once. They were doing it twice, right? And they were doing it during the active part of the fermentation, right? So yeast is going crazy and it's fermenting. What they found is that the flavor of the beer was changing when they were dry hopping earlier. And for a long time, this was kind of like a, you know, a rumor or, you know, like, hey, this sounds like pseudoscience. Now, this has been a number of years now, there have been published papers and, and scientific evidence that shows that depending on the yeast and depending on the hop, the, the uh, so, so hop, have you, ever seen, have you ever seen a hop cone? No, no. Almost look like a, like a like a marijuana cone, actually, like a bud, right? Uh, and and there's these little uh, little leaves that you can pull back, and there's these little sacs, and it, and those sacs contain uh, uh, lupulin. That's that's the that's what you're tasting in a beer. That's what gives it the bitterness. That's what gives it gives it the the citrus flavors. What they found was that certain yeasts actually have enzymes that can change components in that lupulin to uh, to convert it to sugars, and it shifted the flavor of the beer so that when you when you hopped it with a certain type of hop it made it more quote-unquote juicy you maybe heard of juicy ipas yes okay. yeah yeah, uh, yeah. people also call it, so th so this beer is new england ipa hazy ipa juicy ipa all those are synonyms for the same type of beer oh. and the phenomenon that we're experiencing here is that that you're dry hopping early in the process the yeast is actually shifting the flavor of the of the hops it's super fascinating and for a long time people didn't believe that that was actually happening but now it's it's proven proven science and then your end result is this beer that uh, that is super hazy like you know 20 years ago nobody would drink this because it's uh it's so opaque right yes yeah, very opaque yeah and and what you should be tasting here is a lot of uh, orange orange flavors, orange Ooh, juice flavors. That tastes really good. Oh fuck! <laughs> oh, I didn't um, I didn't mean to curse, but we curse on the show anyways. But fuck, that's good. So hazy, <clears throat> hazy, and juicy IPAs are basically the, the same. They're synonymous. Yes. Yeah, okay. it's a you know it's 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 a it's a, it's become a style of its own now. Now uh, <laughs> you know in the brewing industry there's there's people that seek this out. They they called hazy boys. You know it's a oh. uh, they, uh, they only drink these hazy beers. Your your end result here is is a beer that's that lacks a lot of bitterness because uh, these beers actually don't have hops that you're adding to the kettle. So you're not adding bittering hops. You're you're adding just late hops, dry edition hops. So bitterness is way down in this beer. Uh, you get you know, to me, they're a little bit sweeter than uh, than your typical IPA, uh, especially the, the the next beer we have is a West Coast IPA, so you'll be able to tell the difference there too. They they look completely different too, right? And these hazy IPAs, they're 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 completely opaque, right? Uh, uh, Hetty Topper uh, Alchemist, the the brewery, they, they they famously you know sell these beers in cans, and they're like, don't drink this out of glass, drink it out of the can because you don't want to look, you don't want to see what it looks like, right? Right. Oh. But now this is a. Uh, you know, five years later, this is what people are going after is this is this kind of hazy uh, look. Right. Now, I got to ask, since, you know, we do talk about comic books and stuff, uh, you're familiar with Iron Man, right? Yeah, yeah. Iron Man was a big drunk, if people, yeah. don't, if people don't know that. What do, you th what do you think out of your beers here would be Iron Man's favorite beer? Whoa. You know, we, our, our last beer here is called Fire and Fury. 
<laughs> and I, I think that's a that's a that's a perfect Iron Man beer. It's a, yeah. Sounds about right. That sounds yep. about right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What about you, Mike? What do you think would be his favorite beer? Well, I can't argue with that. It, it, it's certainly not the cherry. Uh, the cherry. <laughs> that would be a Pepper Potts. Pepper Potts, right? Right. Uh, personally, I feel like Iron Man would drink the hazy IPA here. Yeah. Personally. Oh yeah. Because he just wants something. Well, when he wasn't drunk, you know what yeah. I mean. You know, uh, one of my favorite Iron Man scenes from the from the movies, anyway, is uh, and uh, it, I, I, the the latest uh, the latest movie where they're they're back. Try not to give a spoiler here, but I mean, but, <laughs> if but you haven't watched it, 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 <laughs> it, it, it kind of shows that Iron that that you know that he's kind of a refined person, yeah. And that he's in his kitchen. They're having a meeting, like it's the the Avengers are in his in his kitchen, and he looks in his sink, and there's a bunch of coffee grounds. And he's like, what am I running a Airbnb here? Do, do you remember this scene? Uh, yeah. I do remember that yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he would drink coffee stout. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I, I like to think about fun stuff like that. Like what would so-and-so would drink? And I think it's interesting that a lot of breweries haven't made, and I'm sure you have to get a license, obviously, through Marvel, which is probably impossible. But like beers inspired by these characters like yeah like, think actually, about getting think about getting idea. like a black panther beer right but you base it upon an african tradition beer right and you just slap the marvel logo of you know the well, wakanda uh, whatever can but, you can you get the logo is well, that a, but that's what i'm saying though you would have to obviously get it you know licensed through marvel my, my favorite comic book hero is uh is the incredible hulk okay and uh are, are you old enough to know the uh Lou, the, Lou yeah. Do you, have you seen? It? Yeah, of course. My so I I own I own the soundtrack to that series. <laughs> to the mm-hmm. series. Because I, I like to torture my wife with the uh, the sad bastard music as he's walk. At the, do, you, do you remember the end of the show? I don't know. I mean, I know the Did show, you know but the I show? don't remember the. You're, music. you're older than me, Mike. All right, take it easy. Here we, <laughs> he, he slips one in every every episode. Hey, he set me up for that one. Just yeah. so you know. <laughs> Yo, this is this is a classic 1970s show yeah. uh-huh. and there, I, I actually don't remember who the the, the, the Bruce Banner character is uh, no one does but, but no he, one does when, when, <laughs> yeah. he, when he turns into the Credible Hulk he's Lou Ferrigno yeah, who, always who, Lou Ferrigno. who I've shook hands with in person it was a, yeah. an amazing experience but but at the end of the show you know every every show he he turns into the, the Hulk and you know things happen and at the end of the show he has to move he has to leave town because people know who he is, and yeah. so then, and as he's leaving town, he's on this dirt path, and the, this piano music plays. It's it's, it's great. But so, so my my favorite character is is the Incredible Hulk, and all throughout my life, I found like so when I went to college, uh, the uh, arcade game uh, Marvel vs. Capcom was yes. was popular. Have you played oh, that? Oh yeah. I actually have one in my house. Oh, you have do you have the the arcade game? They remake it through a company called Arcade One Up, oh, and wow. so I have that version in my house. That's freaking awesome. You should get one in here. You should get yeah, one. Yeah, actually, here. Uh, they're not they're not that expensive. You can literally get send, one. For, send me a link. I yeah, I, I wouldn't mind doing that. Uh, uh, I, when I was in college, I worked in a, 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 in an arcade, so I you know I I awesome. I, uh, I love arcade games, but my uh, my pick always for that game was uh, was Mega Man and the and the Hulk. And, and it, it <laughs> Whoa, that's yeah. a good combo. No, and, I, and I'll tell you that that is a, an impressive duo, right? They, uh, yeah. I, I, I've well, now it's been many years, but but at the time I could be anybody with that duo. Oh right? so. my gosh, Mike, do you know who Mega Man is? Come on, <laughs> of course I do. Hey, it's part of the show. I had know. all the Mega Mans. Did you? 
Yeah. When I when I was a kid, uh, we we uh, begged and pleaded for our first Atari, uh, and the Atari was was awesome. Uh, can, can I tell an Atari story? Oh please. Sure. Yeah. Well, actually, really quickly, like it's great because we're actually going to do a whole thing on Atari hotels, and Atari. What's an Atari hotel. So just really. Oh, <laughs> just you wait. Just you wait, but I'll just tell you this really briefly because we can't get into too much. But uh, Atari is re- is actually making their own hotels, and that uh, we will actually have the man himself behind this whole thing on the show very soon. Wow. Uh, so definitely give us a listen because that's going to be an intri- incredibly intriguing episode. Yeah. I've already seen the concepts, so let me tell you, they are crazy. I've, I've logged more hours on, on my Atari as a kid than probably anything else. You know, any, any other book I've read or it's, I don't know, I, I found that platform super addicting. Sure. Uh, and uh, three games that I really liked. Uh, one was this game called Moon Patrol which I just thought was, was an awesome game because you could shoot both up and straight. Uh, but there are two games that, that I had these, these infuriating moments with. Uh, one of them, Pitfall. Pitfall is a, is, is a classic arcade game, but yeah. they adapted it for, Atari, for the, the console. Yeah. Uh, and I love that game. Yeah. It's so great. Uh, and me and my friends would play it. And if you are familiar with the game, there was a 20-minute countdown timer on the yeah. upper left-hand corner. Right? And this game is a game where you're like, there's like multiple levels that you can see simultaneously on the screen, and you're this little character, and you're swinging across, you know, swamps, and sometimes you're going underneath and jumping over scorpions, and, and you know, you're you're doing all this right. stuff, and the goal is to to go through all these levels, right? So so usually you you died before the 20 minute countdown was yep. up. So I'm going, and I'm going, and I and I'm on level 99, and you could tell this is only a two digit counter, right? Yeah, right. I'm on level 99. And I still have 30 seconds left. And I'm like, and my, my, my friends are behind me. They're cheering me on. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I still have my life left. And I'm going, I'm going. And I know, you know, swinging and diving and, you know, going, jumping over scorpions. And then, then, uh, then I, I, I beat level 99 with, with, you know, a few seconds to spare. And I, you know, sweat's coming down. Mm. I, I wipe my brow. <laughs> And then it starts over at level one. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. You don't even get yeah. like a special yeah. screen. Yeah. No. You just click. <laughs> that game was hard. I had that yeah. game on Atari. That game was not easy. No, I mean, but the, I, you know, you kind of feel like throwing the game away because you're like, yeah. Well, shit. Now I beat it, and there's like no, <laughs> no, no, no congratulations, yeah. nothing. Just right. like that's it. Uh, good old Pitfall Harry. <laughs> Pitfall Harry. Uh, what was the other game? The, the the other game is Enduro. Have you ever played that? I, I know of it. I've not played it. So though. so Enduro, you know, it, it, it's a similar kind of conquest game in that you're this you're uh, you're this car, and there's this Enduro race, and you're going across America, and you're going across America for five days and five nights, yeah. and uh, you, you know you're racing against the the computer, and uh, there's you know, like there's these elements of fog where you can't see in front of you, and and at night you can always see the tail lights, and so it, you know you're you're it's a challenging game. It took me months to get to the point where I was like, okay, now I got it through four days, you know, and and this is before pause, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Pause, yeah. Games have pause hour, <laughs> yeah. right? So so I go through level, you know, go through day one, day two, day three, day four, and and this one I didn't have my friends with me, but it was me and my brother were playing this aggressively, right? So so we're we're on, you know, sometimes we'd be like, you know, day three, and then I hand it over, okay, go do the night, and he does the night, wow, the, taking okay, shifts, fog, yeah, yeah, kind of passing the passing the controller, and so we got to the point where we were we're at day five and we get to the to the very end and uh and you know 
day five complete and it, it does this game does present a nice little finish it shows you a little trophy and it shows you a uh you know mail to this uh company and you'll get a, a life size a, a real trophy or whatever we sent in the mail and it got returned to center because that company had gone, gone out under, of business. Under, yeah. Atari was like notorious for that though. Like really quickly, I don't want to get sidetracked, but really quickly, I don't know if you know about this, Mike, Atari was always notorious for like doing shit like that. Like there was another company called something, I think it was like EarthQuest and they did, there was EarthQuest, FireQuest and WaterQuest, right? And the idea was you had, it was all done by riddles and you had to, just kind of what you're saying is like you had to figure it out, you did it and then you send it in, right? And if you won, you would come into the studio, into the, um, the company's house, I guess, and then you would, you know, play the game, and then you would have to figure these out, these riddles out. Once you figure those out, if you finish it the fastest, you would win actual like treasure, like actual like you know, the the the, the sorcerer's stone. But it was like a real like ruby or whatever it was. But the thing is, the company went defunct after the second one, and so no one could ever get the other the other two treasures. They exist, but nobody will ever get them. They're somewhere. They're somewhere. Well, they say that the guy the guy who ran the company has them in his in his home. That's mm. the that's the legendist, but. There's a petition out that, and I'm glad you brought this up because I'm always very passionate about this. There's a petition about it to actually get the owner to donate those for the gamers to win them again. I mean, I would like my fucking enduro trophy. Dude, because, hell yeah! Because because uh, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I feel like, and I, I don't actually remember, but I feel like we played it in the contemporary time. It's not like it's not like it was ten years later that we right. were playing this, right? It's we we bought this thing and and within months we beat it, right? right. We should have been able to get the damn trophy. Yeah. You should have. Then you could have had it on display. I tell you what. I, I tell you what. We're gonna talk to somebody from Atari. I'll let them know. Nice. I'll let them <laughs> nice. know. Nice. Say hey, our buddy over here. <laughs> I did have the uh, the infamous ET game. Do you know that? Yeah, uh, I, have, yeah. I have that so, too. It's, uh, yeah. So yeah, I we, we got it for my brother and I. We got it for Christmas. Uh, although we didn't we didn't experience all the bugs. I think a lot of people experience, but yeah. it was a very dumb game to play. Yeah. Very dumb game, uh, and you could tell like someone just rushed through the oh, whole thing. Oh, yeah, I've, I've heard this. Yeah, the, I've heard the story the, too. It's pretty crazy. Well, they had to rush to get it so that you could get it for Christmas. Yeah, oh, is that why? Yes. Okay, yes, they were like, <laughs> so there actually was a rush. It was definitely a rush. It was like one developer, I think, right? Like one developer had to get it done within seven days or some shit like that. It was yeah, I listened it was to the some show, crazy but... time cruncher. Uh, yeah, I mean, but... we we played it, and uh, I I you know I like ET as a kid, sure. But uh, I, I had an ET lunch pail, actually. That's nice. uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, but I didn't think it was a very challenging game. And no. I think we probably beat it very quickly without so experiencing dumb. the bugs that people so experience. So dumb, so mm -hmm. dumb. But we are getting too sidetracked. Let's get back on the yeah. road. So now we're on uh, this this beer. As what happens when you drink beer. Yeah. Yes, right? exactly. But that's what makes this episode great. <laughs> this, this is our favorite West Coast IPA called Sea Rations. Sea Rations, uh, you know, go play, uh, play on the, the military uh rations mm. uh this is made with all sea hops wow. and so we have uh cascade uh citra and centennial in this beer oh c letter c cheers 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 and this beer you'll you'll notice is quite different it's a it's a lot more bitter right so you get the bitter flavor and probably you especially right you get the, get bitterness do, yes uh, out yeah. of that there's something interesting i don't know what it is but i don't taste bitter like everybody else does because you just said right now it was very bitter right and to me it just tasted it tasted well, Awesome. You have to calibrate yourself because, uh, so, you know, I, my wife and I experience bitterness very differently. And one of my favorite citrus fruits is, uh, is grapefruit. Okay. And so, you know, I grew up eating grapefruit in the morning and I like grapefruit juice. It's like, you know, I, right. I love it. And my whole life, I thought of grapefruit as being sweet. 
because it kind of is, right? Sure. But when I when I married my wife, she hates grapefruit juice, and she's like, "Oh no, that's too damn bitter." Right. And I I sat and I I tasted it, and I was like, you know what? It actually is kind of bitter. So I think what you have to do, you have to this beer. Sip it, and you'll you'll notice it's bitter. I think it's what it is, is that you like bitter flavors. I love bitter, I do. Oh, what an interesting uh, way to figure that out. You like bitter, so it's not that bitter to you. Yeah. I tasted it right away, and I was like, wow, that's really yeah. bitter. But it is... I'm a bitter person, I guess. You, you still have some of the Galaxy <laughs> left, and, and, and taste, taste these two side by side, and you'll see that one's way more bitter than this This one. is Galaxy, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I still like it. And here we go. This is Galaxy. Ah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and I, I, I am actually much more of a fan of the West Coast. This is a, a classic West Coast IPA, and, and it's because uh, on the West Coast here, we kind of perfected this, this IPA. IPA, you know, originated in England. They're using noble hops. Here we're using the American hybrids. You guys may be too young to remember, but in the early 2000s, uh, it was super popular to have very high IBU. IBU stands for International Bitterness Units. Mm. And so there, there Wait, is, that's what IBU means? Yeah, international bitterness units. It's I did not a, know that. I've always wondered what that meant. <laughs> it's a unit of measurement for bitterness. Wow. Interesting. And, uh, and, and there was this this uh, fad in the early 2000s to make the bitterest beer possible. Uh, you know, even these breweries that you like kind of respect now, they would make these beers that were like 100 I, 100 IBUs, which is the, the theoretical maximum of that scale. Wow. <laughs> this, this beer is probably more like like 60 IBUs, right? Uh, and so there would be these beers where you you drink it and you'd be like, oh, it's so bitter, but people love that. Like, like people love hazies now. They loved the bitter flavor then too, because it was like you know, it's oh, I don't, I don't know why, but it was a fad, right? Right. Now, is if it's more, if it's more bitter, is it higher in ABV usually? Well, there's this. What you want to do is you want to create a balanced beer, right? And so you're you're really wanting the balance between the the ABV and the residual sweetness and the bitterness. And, and that will make a balanced beer. So, so yeah, you're right. A higher ABV beer will typically have more bitterness, but that's just to balance it out. Uh, but there are, there are beers that are being made that are completely out of balance, right? So, like, gotcha. you know, I can make a 100 IBU beer that is 7% alcohol, and in, in 2002, I guarantee you people would love that. Right. But now, you know, it's, it's way off the scale. It's not balanced. It, you know. Interesting. What do you think, Mike? How do you like it? Yeah, I like, I mean, I definitely taste the bitter. And so explain again. So when you get an IPA, first of all, let me ask this. Why are IPAs so popular? What is it you think that people always want the IPA? Is it, is it the alcohol content or what, like what? Have you, have you read Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point? No. It's a, it's a treatise on the, on, on what makes something popular. Uh, and, and, and the answer is nobody really knows, right? Mm. But there, there are, he, his theory is that, that, uh, that you have something great and you have a lot of people that are knowledgeable about it, and these a lot of people have a spiderweb, uh, you know, effect of talking to their friends or whatever. I don't know why IPAs are are, are popular. I like them myself, but uh, if you go to our website, each of us owners, we have a little section, and in there we would say we say what is our favorite non-IPA beer? Because it uh-huh. assumes that everybody's favorite beer is IPA, right? right. Oh, that's, that's fascinating, yeah. yeah. But the, the, the style originated, uh, and, and there's this, there's this uh, forgetting the, the, the author, but the, the, the history of an IPA has kind of been a little bit debunked. You know, a lot of people talk about how this is a beer that was designed to, to, uh, to travel to India to, to make that journey. Uh, it's really, it's been, I think, more proven now that it's kind of a marketing ploy 
that uh, that there is a company that uh, that made a beer called India Pale Ale because they were selling in India, sure. But it became a marketing thing, like, hey, this is the beer we sell to India. You guys should love it too. <laughs> oh, right? oh, interesting. And and, uh, and historically, these beers were a little bit more hopped, maybe a little bit higher in alcohol. Right. They uh, they were the the you know pale and clear, like you know people people like, and and you know it's good. But people love hops, right? Uh, people people do love hops, and IPA is a wide spectrum now, especially now that you have these hazy, you know, pale, you know, you have the milkshake IPAs. Have you had one of those? I have tons uh, of them. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, so now, now IPA is kind of the this, this spectrum of, of beers, but really I think people, a lot of people do like this bitterness flavor and, uh, and the kind of, uh, fruit and citrus notes that, that hops bring to beer. It's, it, you know, it, there's what, what's not to like. Right. All right, so now the next beer we're going, you actually brought a bonus beer in. Yeah, and so yeah we, we brought one. We interjected a beer into their lineup. Uh, this is our this is the Kolsch that I was t- telling you about. So this is yes. uh, what I like to call the, the craft beer, brewer's lawnmower beer. You know, it's a, it's a light, refreshing beer. This is one of those hybrid beers. So it's, it's, uh, it's been lagered. It's, it's fermented at a lower temperature, but it's actually an ale. I'm sorry, I got excited. <laughs> I dragged before you guys. Cheers. Cheers. I think he wanted to drink it while the description was happening. I know, so, so I was just, just like closing my eyes and be like, oh man. The sensory <laughs> overload. What you get from this beer is uh, noble hops. We're using Saw's hops in this Holy one, fuck. which is a, it was a Czech uh, hop. Uh, and uh, the the yeast, because of, because of the way it's fermented, you you get a little bit of a, of a spicy note in the, in the yeast too. You know, I went to Prague and... Munich when I was in my mid twenties and, you know, drank a bunch of beer, but had no, I didn't know. I was just like, Oh, I'm here. I'll just drink whatever looks cool, whatever sounds cool. And after, after hearing all of the stories and the knowledge that you've been giving us about beers, I'm, I feel like I would go back and have a totally different experience. Yeah. I mean, uh, the Munich Dunkel, one of my favorite beers. In fact, we, we just, uh, brewed for, for Cinco de Mayo. We, uh, we'd like to, to brew some some regular beers, and we have this beer uh, that's a uh, it's it's in between a Vienna Lager and a Munich Dunkel. We we call it a Vienna Lager, uh, but have you ever had uh, Negro Modelo? Of course. Oh, yeah. And that that beer, so that beer is actually a German beer. It's a German uh, beer. It's a it's it's most closely related to a Vienna Lager, uh, but in Mexico they 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 make it with uh, with a little bit of flaked corn and flaked maize, and we we do that here too, and so we we sell it on uh, on Cinco de Mayo. But what's interesting about that style, that style originated in Vienna, in Austria, right? And is almost gone completely from Europe now. But that tradition lives today in, in Mexico. So there's a number of Mexican imports that you can get today that are these dark lagers that are brewed in that style. Oh, uh, that's it, it, one of my favorite beers, Negro Modelo was the first beer, you know. I drink a lot of uh, Natty Light and those kinds of beers in oh. my time, but Negro Modelo was the first beer that I drank, and I was like, you know, this is a good, this is a, a beer that I that I like, that I want to drink, you know. It's it's interesting you say that really fast because like you're talking about like how, you know, I drank all these kind of beers, and then, same thing with me, I would drink like you know Bud Light, Budweiser. I didn't know any better, I guess, right? And the first beer that really kind of got me going, if you will, was Newcastle. Oh yeah, good beer. Yeah, Newcastle was the first beer that I was like, whoa, this is. That style, that style is also kind of, uh, it's an endangered species. Uh, that's a, Newcastle's, it, it, there's, there's, there's two styles of browns in, in England. There's a southern brown and a, and a northern brown. And that style is, uh, I can't remember which one that is actually. Uh, but it, but it's, it's a brown ale that you really don't find much 
up anymore. Right. Uh, but but yeah, it's, I mean, Newcastle still makes it. Uh, you, you don't really find a lot of craft American craft breweries making English browns. No. And the thing is, Newcastle made my favorite beer to this day that no longer exists. And if anybody could ever send me some, please do, because I will, I will pay you for it. Newcastle Werewolf. Werewolf? I've never heard of that. You haven't had the werewolf? No. So I just got to quickly go in there. First off, the label on that thing is so badass because it's Newcastle, right? And it's a werewolf behind the Newcastle, and he's clawing the, uh, the, uh, the label. And it's a blood, it's a blood red ale. And, uh, Interesting. Th- they would only obviously release it for Halloween, right? But they, haven't, they have not released it probably in six or seven years. And that was my favorite beer I've ever had in my life. Like, that was my beer that, like, if, if, they, if, they could, if I could find a batch of it somewhere and it cost X amount of dollars, I would buy it. Huh. I love... I'll have to look that up. Yeah. I'm, I'm going back to, to video games now and thinking about Castle, Castle Wolfenstein. Oh, uh, uh, fun yeah. games. <laughs> so fun, yes. Uh, hey, really quickly, about games real quick, are you a GoldenEye fan? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My my whole college experience revolved around Goldeneye. Uh, yeah, we uh, my my friends and I we we got our first apartment together and uh, we got a Nintendo sixty four and I don't know how many hours we spent playing. Nobody does. Golden yeah, Nobody does. Uh, yeah, it's uh, you probably still uh, have you played it in a while? Has it been uh, so so my. my uh, my wife and I, we bought a, uh, a PlayStation 2, I think, or one of the PlayStations, and I saw that GoldenEye came out for a PlayStation, and I bought it, and uh, she doesn't like it. And oh. so it was just not as fun because, you know, what we would do is we'd have four people playing it, and, yeah. you know, uh, my character, I always like to be uh, Boris, you know, with the yeah. loud Hawaiian shirt, because <laughs> uh, everybody's sniping, right? And right. so I'd like to be the guy with the loud loud short you know and he'd always shout i am invincible you know? <laughs> uh, uh, but i i i only pl- i i have it for a playstation 2 but i uh, i have not played it since college days so it's uh yeah i played it not that i don't remember how long ago but i still once i got into the levels i still remember those levels like they were like where i grew up or something <laughs> like i just know to go through this door there's a secret yeah, door yeah. on this wall yep. i can hide in this little window and shoot down to that <laughs> level like it just didn't go away i played it so much it's a, yeah it's like it's a real place all those <laughs> yeah. levels it is a real place you, you know what's crazy to think is that when you when you played that originally you were playing on a very small square television right right not like today where it's everybody has these giant televisions yeah and if you were doing the four player yeah. it, it was a super yeah. small right. square on its yeah own. now yeah. did you know really quickly did you know that they remade that game they remade it so they remade goldeneye uh with um who's uh, daniel craig uh, oh really oh i yeah, didn't know that but that was for ps3 and uh, for the PS3, um, they remade the entire game. Uh, it is a whole different experience because the thing is it's modernized, right? So the shooting controllers are, are, are modern controllers. And if you're a shooter fan, you know that things are obviously way different since, you know, the 90s to now, right? So there's more control, there's more accuracy, everything. So if you're like a, a purebred, you know, GoldenEye fan, you're probably not going to like the remake because it's too, like, Call of Duty or too, like, you know, but whatever. You know, it seems to me that they've never really the the Nintendo 64 controller was almost perfect, mm-hmm. and I don't know that anybody. I disagree. I disagree. No, that's a whole conversation. Playing, playing Goldeneye, it was like perfect, and and these newer controllers, they just don't. They're not ergonomic. They don't feel the same. <laughs> I'm with you, Adrian. I'm with you. I totally 
it felt like an extension of your hand. Yeah, exactly. The other ones, I'm like, wait, where? And I have to keep looking. And it doesn't feel it doesn't feel natural. Yeah. So we we've done some game reviews here here and there on the show, and uh, you know, I'm the resident gamer because I, I love I love games, and I'm a modern gamer too. And it's just I don't know, like I don't I don't discredit obviously what the Nintendo 64 did with controller wise, but at the same time, I kind of like modern controllers now. They're just more. Like I play a lot of Overwatch. There's no way I could play Overwatch with the 64 controller. It's just I need that accuracy. I need to be able to my X and Y axis so I can kill. <laughs> well, I guess I, I I don't even know that game, so oh, I, yeah. I don't know. But <laughs> but you know you're 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 talking to someone who's used to playing with an Atari. You know you use the Atari. Oh yeah, I have the, Atari. The joystick with yeah. the one button. One. Which which really quickly another shout out to Atari coming on the show. Atari is making a new console. Are what? you aware of that? No. So we're going to do a whole thing on that too. Wait, uh, who's making games for it? Atari. Really? Yeah. So what, it's called the Atari VCS 800. And the Atari VCS 800, and this is a little quick plug for our new episode coming out later this month, but they are bringing back the old school wood grain type look. I didn't know they were still a company. Even. Yeah. Well, they came back recently because they have all these ideas with the Atari hotels and whatnot. But anyways, this particular console isn't a console. It's a console. At the heart of it, it's a console. But at the brain of it, if you will, is a PC. You can actually install Windows on it and make it a whole full-blown mini PC. And the best part is you have two controllers you can choose from. The, you know, the pro controller what people use now. Or what you guys talk about, the old school one button, move it around, but it's wireless Bluetooth. And we're going to do a whole episode on that because they're, they're, oh, awesome. Atari has been so, so great with us and they're going to be sending us consoles to try out. So, yeah. I mean, the, the wood grain is, is great, too. I, I, I love the wood grain. Do they still have the little toggle switches? They, they do have them, but they're not. only two of them are functional. It's more aesthetic, right? Like, oh, hey. And it's much smaller. I think it's literally the size of, like, two palms. It's oh, crazy right. small, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, definitely keep a lookout for that one. And I'm excited to do that because all the games that you remember from Atari, like the, the top 50 played games, are being remade to today's standards. Now, what that means, I don't know, but we'll find out during that episode. Interesting. Yeah. So, so maybe I can finally get my Enduro trophy. Maybe you finally get, again, we're gonna, we'll tell them. We'll tell them. See if we can help you out. We'll see if we can help you out for sure. But anyways, uh, too much sidetracked as always on this show. And always when you drink beer, you just get sidetracked. So that's okay. Now the last and final beer is. Called Fire and Fury. So this beer is made with a very high rye malt beer. So rye adds a certain amount of viscosity. And by that, I mean, it, the mouthfeel is very slick. Uh, mm. Rye is an interesting grain altogether, all but but in this beer, we're, it's upwards of 40% rye. And then uh, we're using smoked malt, and so you get a little bit of smokiness. And we're adding uh, chili peppers. And so uh, fire, fire and Fury comes from the, you know, it's it's a high ABV beer. Uh, I, I think this is 11.5%, super high. Uh, it uh, has uh, a lot of rye, it's dark in color, uh, and it has two different kinds of chili peppers, one for flavor and one for a little bit of, uh, of, a, of a spice. So you get a little bit of a capsaicin kick out of this too. And then you listen to the chili peppers when you drink it, right? <laughs> The, I'm not from California originally, but uh, but I like to tell my wife that in California, you're obligated to hear the Red Hot Chili Peppers once a day. It's yeah. the Red Hot Chili Peppers song of the day. You cannot go a day in California without hearing <laughs> like, the goddamn good. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, you're from up north somewhere. I, I'm col from Colorado. 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 Oh, okay. Mike, you have a story about this beer, too. Yes. So uh, let me taste it first. Oh, damn. So good. We were here on his birthday. And, um, you know, obviously we were all tasting beers. I was enjoying the Dark Tower. 
he was walking around with this and he, you know, let me taste it, said it's an 11%. And I said, you're drinking all night. He'd already been drinking. He's going to continue <laughs> drinking. This is your party. You probably don't want to walk around pounding an 11% beer, right? You don't want to get too sloppy. Right. 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 Yeah. A, you know, wisdom over here. Yes. <laughs> Elder wisdom. So, Elderly wisdom. You know, yes, this, you might, is this another one of those uh, winter drinks would you say yeah you, i mean this yeah. is this is something that i like to make it in wintertime i uh I, I make this every uh probably november or december we make this mm. i think it's still great though <laughs> oh it's great the taste is great but you know what i mean like if you're hosting a party you you probably want to go with ease the, into the, things yes, yeah you know, like imagine the, the if you're less... hosting a podcast and you're you're pounding these it's probably gonna go sour <laughs> <laughs> It'll get a little sloppy. It'll get a little sloppy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, what's funny is I when I when the thing is when I tasted it when I was here I was like wow this is so good like I really liked it and I hadn't had the graphia at the time and I was like okay I want this and then I had just gotten that beer and that's when he was like whoa you got that beer that's so high <laughs> and then later on I went to the graph which was amazing and then I went to the oolong tea which was my favorite at the time. That's that's kind of the opposite <laughs> yeah, of yeah, what yeah. I would do things in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, whatever, dude. Uncle Dad likes the party. <laughs> that's the problem. Uncle Dad parties too much. When, when you when you drink this beer, can you can you taste it kind of coating your tongue? That that's a I can't. R- yes. Rye rye kind of has this weird property where it. Uh, I like to say it's a perceived viscosity. Viscosity is, is usually measured on an incline, inclined plane, you know, so you can like pour a liquid down and you can measure how fast it's going down. The, the viscous. Yeah. Right. So it, it's not actually more viscous, but it, but your tongue perceives it that way because of the rye in there. And why, why rye? Like what, what? I, I that I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It just, but when you make beers with rye or when you, when you drink anything with rye, you get that kind of tongue coaty kind of kind of feel rye also has a little bit of spiciness which is masked by the chili peppers in this beer but but if you have a rye like we make a rye uh pale ale here too that uh that you know you get a little bit of spiciness too mm-hmm. uh, so yeah but this is a this is definitely one of our mainstays we also do a barrel aged version of this uh as Ooh, well i would so, like to yeah. try that one day so a barrel aged you let it sit in a barrel for how long whiskey barrels uh for six months or so yeah oh. like a barrel like that Yep. Yeah, <laughs> like, like a real like wooden that barrel. barrel there, yeah. Like a, yeah, exactly. Fire and fury. That makes you think of something. It makes you think of angry. It makes you think of anger. An angry Tony Stark drinking this? An angry Tony Stark, but also an angry friend of ours. Another comic book character. Another comic book character who we love and cherish and who would not, we wouldn't even be here without this character. What a segue. What a segue <laughs> indeed. What are we talking about, Mike? What are we talking about? <laughs> Atari or a beer? We're talking or about comics. We're talking about all three minus the Atari, I guess. We are talking about Captain A Hole and what we want to do. Now we can talk about it, I guess, a little bit here. That's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mike and I will be working with uh, the great people here at Clandestine to bring together a Captain A Hole beer. That's right. Uh, do we, can we kind of dive into that a little bit or just, it's, it's going to be the angriest of beers, the yes. angriest of beers. And I'm like, tell him why it's the angriest of beers. He might not be too familiar. So tell okay. Adrian. So Captain A-Hole is uh, a character I created many years ago in my, um, early twenties. So it's many years ago, <laughs> many years ago. Um, but basically he came, uh, from working a job that I hated and kind of, was this voice of everything I wanted to really say to people, but not just at a job, but just to society, to people in general, to fads, to fashion, to whatever. He's that inner voice that like wants to make fun or talk bad about 
what everyone else is doing that just seems ridiculous or that job that you hate or the song that you hate, whatever it is, it's that inner voice in you that, uh, that comes out. And so I think it'd be totally fitting for Captain A-Hole to have a Captain A-Hole angry IPA. Yeah. No, that sounds, that sounds awesome. We're willing to work with you guys, develop a recipe. Maybe we'll get you guys down to, to do some manual labor to help brew it. I would yeah. be totally down for that. I <laughs> like manual labor. He I definitely likes manual labor. Uh, why? Because I'm Mexican? <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't, did uh, you hear me say that? I didn't we got to go. A little too hot now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all these beers. <laughs> yes. It's, it's that fire and fury, my friend. <laughs> yeah. No, no I, um, I think this going to be awesome. It's going to be a double IPA, right? That's what I would like, but Mike at the end of the day has the final word. I just thought when it comes to angriness, I think you might as well get slapped with the devil. Uh, so it's for me, a double, so the, these terms are kind of, uh, they have overlapping meanings. Sure. Yeah. But for me, a double IPA is anything above 8%. Sure. And I thought it'd be fitting that Captain A-Hole would have like almost 10%, in my opinion. Yeah, that, that's bordering on triple IPA. I don't know. I don't know how he feels. But. Well, okay. And so I didn't, again, this goes back to seeing things on labels and not really understanding what they even mean. So a double IPA is that process where they, where they did the, the twice. So, the, so this, this is fascinating. Uh, these terms, historically, these terms have, have come from the Belgian tradition, the single, double, triple, quadruple. And, and uh, really, these things uh, are, are tax categories right so depending on your original gravity you know how how much sugar you're adding to the beer before you ferment it which means how much alcohol is going to result in that mm. you would get taxed more right so if you're a single you would uh you get taxed a certain amount if you're a quadruple it'd be four times that amount right wow. and so these these terms are in in the belgian tradition single double triple quadruple Right. And in America, we, we kind of ad adopted these things uh, to, to kind of fit our, our categories here. You know, we're as a brewery here, we're actually taxed the same amount uh, regardless of the alcohol content. Nice. It's, it's based on. Yeah, it's based on volume, not alcohol content. Nice. And so so we can make a triple IPA and we're taxed the same amount as a, as a single IPA. Uh, but and, and there's a lot of uh, overlap, too. So, so as a brewery, you can call something a double IPA and it be 10%. You can also call it a triple IPA. It's, uh, it's a lot of overlap there. I would be totally honored and excited to do a Captain A-Hole, however many IPA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're very excited to... Clandestine Brewery. Yes, yeah. we are very excited to be part of this. Yes. And we can't thank you enough for that. And uh, more details will come for that for sure uh, as we get the ball rolling on that. But can you tell our audience where they can not only find you, uh, or actually, no, not physically find you, but can you tell them where they can find you online? Yeah, www.clandestinbrewing.com. It's a bit of a mouthful, but clandestinbrewing.com. Uh, if you're in the Bay Area, you can uh, order online and, uh, you know, pick up or you can visit us in the tap room here uh send us an email uh join our mailing list all good ways we can send you some stickers if you're living abroad love stickers what's clandestine what where does that name come from how'd you guys come up with that yeah, it's a interesting story uh you know myself and my my partners we all have day jobs right so we we love beer and we wanted to start a business but we have day jobs too and so we we got together we we had been meeting meeting secretly kind of uh for for months developing the uh the company and this is uh this is years ago uh and we were coming up with a name and 
we, you know, every every name that we would come up with, uh, we'd do some research and somebody had already taken that name. Uh, and eventually we came upon this name clandestine and we were like, yeah, oh, this this name, the, the website's available, clandestinebrewing.com is available. Uh, nobody's using this name yet. And it fits our, it fits our purpose because we're secretly meeting and, uh, you know, we're forming a company. It's clandestine. We thought it was great. And and you know still think it's great. Lo and behold, though uh, we've we, we've we found that that you know some like ten percent of our customer base has no idea what the word clandestine <laughs> means. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know it's it's a bit of an education too. Will you tell our listeners? I know what it means, but will you tell our listeners no who, what it means? Well, you know, I think I think people can relate to a clandestine affair, or you know, if you read Tom Clancy, you know. It's ah. it re- reeked in, in in spy novels, etc. It's 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 something that's secretive, right? Clandestine. Our our logo is a is a is the Hophead Man. He's a secret agent, right? Mm. Actually, you know, it relates to comics too because I had uh, originally envisioned our logo being a, kind of a comic book character where he's a secret agent character. His head is a hop. If you mm-hmm. look at our logo, yeah. he's carrying a briefcase that says top secret on it. Right. And he's really fighting the battle against bad beer. Right. So I, I had kind of envisioned a comic book like scenario where he is fighting against the likes of Anheuser-Busch. Right. Right. I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah. If, maybe I'll sketch up something for you on yeah. a napkin awesome. or something. Awesome. And yeah. we, we publish comics too. So. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> All right. um, what's interesting about that, that almost even ties together Captain A-Hole, right? Like the idea that he's against big beer. You're against. Yeah. I mean, he's always kind of against like the, the, the fad in pop culture that exactly. everyone is like so, yeah. mi- it comes mindlessly together. migrating to. I and, can relate to Captain A-Hole. Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, we all can, and that's the point. That's like, you know, when you read the comic or you listen to any, there's also music. Um, we also make records, by the way. Oh, great, awesome. <laughs> we do, Uncle Dad, we do everything in Uncle Dad. Pretty soon we're going to make, we're going to make Captain A-Hole food eventually. We're just going to do it all. No? No. <laughs> I think we're drawing the line of beer. <laughs> yeah, we'll stop there. Um, but so, uh, wait, I'm sorry, did I cut you off? I'm sorry. Uh, maybe, but who cares? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but without further ado, uh, before we wrap up, there's a question I ask every guest, every guest, and I always spring it on them. I don't let them know. I just tell them. It's nothing crazy, I promise. But the question is, if you could recommend any comic book, book, or uh, in your case, beer, it doesn't have to be beer. You can be a comic book if you want. We, we prefer comic book because that's how we, that's our blood, it's our roots. If you could recommend any comic book to our audience, what would it be this week? Uh, so, so I'll I'll recommend an old comic book. Uh, it's a it's it's a it's a maybe more of a graphic novel series. What? Called Why the Last Man, and uh, this is a this is a comic book series that I I was intru- I, I'm I'm a huge science fiction nerd. Uh, but I was really introduced to comic books later in my life, uh, and and this graphic novel series kind of uh, made me realize how powerful this this medium is, and I I absolutely love it. Actually, I I bought the entire graphic novel series, and I've loaned it out to a number of my friends to be like, you know, you have to 
read this, right? It's a, it's it's great. I uh, I've been waiting for them to make a, like a, a television series adaptation of of Why the Last Man. I just think it's 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 the greatest thing on earth. I'm surprised they haven't. Yeah, with, me with, too. With that, I, and I haven't thought about that book in a long time. That is such a great read, and I'm glad you brought it up. Wow. Yeah. Now it's even better because it ties to our roots. I don't know if you, I doubt you even remember, but oh. our, our very first episode with back in the day with Baby Gabe. We talk, it was me and uh, Baby Gabe. We did a whole thing about how the, pa- the pandemics and comic books. Well, we talked about why the last man in incredibly de- incredible detail. So it's kind of cool that he brings that up because that was our first yeah, episode. Uh, it, it is kind of poignant for the times. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I read it twenty years ago, but right. uh, it's, uh, yeah. And that's uh, Why the Last Man by Brian K. Vaughn. Uh, please, if you can find that anywhere, check it out. It's a great book. As we said many, many episodes ago, it's a great book. Um, Adrian, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, Mike, any last words? Well, I'm really excited for this Captain A-Hole Angry IPA. Or double Angry IPA, because, you know, sometimes you're double... Angry? Angry. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm really excited. And, and this was fun, and, I'm, and I can't wait to see what comes... Yeah, well, cheers, guys. Awesome. Thank you so much. And of course, as always, love each other, respect each other, and we'll see you next week. And today's episode is a very special one. And why is that? Well, last year, we we lost one of our employees. Uh, uh, Her name was Sammy. uh, And, uh, you know, very devastating to her family, obviously, but also her her family at work, uh, us. And uh, and so we we brewed a a beer uh, in tribute of her. Uh, she uh, she was a big fan of our kettle sours. This beer has all uh, all three of the berries that she liked. It has raspberries, blackberries, alala berries, uh, and now we're we're drinking the the Sammy tribute beer. To Sammy. Here, here. Rest in peace. Thank you. <laughs>